0: We're going to spend the next, you know, 30 minutes to whatever time is afforded to us to uh, to meditate and just to reflect on what the word is saying. I'm asking three questions when I'm reading the word from a meditational perspective. The three questions that I'm asking is what is God revealing concerning himself? Um, The second question that I'm asking is what is God revealing concerning people? And then the third question that I'm asking is what is God revealing concerning me? Um, It's a way for us to open our hearts to what the Lord is saying to us in that moment. Um, in the moment of reading his word. Um, This isn't a Bible study, even though there's an element of that, but it's more just spending time in reflection and exhortation. And so that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. But I'm also here, and if anybody knows, the reason why I even started the Read and Ran in the first place is because I wanted all believers uh, to say that they've read through the entire scripture, to say that they've read through the totality of the scripture. Uh, That's why. Uh, and so we've read through the entire New Testament. We've now uh, read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now we're in numbers. And so uh, this is what we're here to do. We're here to engage in the word of God. We're here to read the word. That's my priority. If you just come here and all you get is just the time of reading, that to me is is more important than you just hanging and listening to me rant. That's why I call it a rant. I call it a rant because I really got nothing planned today. I I, I, don't, I don't have a, an agenda. I don't have any, you know, a, a notes or a sermon or anything like that prepared. I'm simply seeking to hear what God has to say to me today as I read his word. And that's what we want to do. We want to engage with God as we read his word. So with that being said, we're going to get into prayer and then we're going to get right into it. I will be reading uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to Numbers 10. So we'll be reading uh, Numbers 10. So if you can, you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. Um, and I pray that this would be a time of illumination. It'd be a time of revelation. It'd be a time of encouragement for you as well as we engage in His Word. Um, Father, we ask that You would be with us today. Lord, I I thank You. Lord, You are good. Lord, Your mercies endure forever. Father, You are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, You are our rock. You are our foundation. Uh, We put our faith in you. We, we trust in you. And Lord, we look to enjoy the privilege of being able to hear from you, but through the reading of your word. And so Lord, bless us in this time, Lord, as we read this word, Father, I pray that you would uh, posture us appropriately, that we would hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, we pray for visitation in your word. Uh, We pray for revelation. We pray for encouragement. We pray for uh, inspiration, Lord, as we engage in your word today. So bless us, Lord. Be with us, guide us, lead us um, as we engage. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get right into it. Uh, Numbers chapter 10. And I'll be reading. You guys can read along with me. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. You can read from uh, whatever version uh, that you have. Again, this is not a Bible study, so I'm not too concerned about the version that you're reading, more so just spending time in the reading of the word. So let's engage. Numbers chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. When they, blow, bo- when they bo- blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall then begin their journey when you sound the advance the second time then the camps that lie on the South side shall begin their journey. They shall call, they shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but not sound the advance. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets and these shall be to you as an ordinance forever throughout your generations. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God and you will be saved from your enemies. Also, in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of peace offerings and they shall be a memorial to you before God. I am the Lord, your God. Hmm. Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the clouds settled down at the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. The standard of the camp of the children of Judah set out first according to the armies. Over their army was Nashon, the son of Aminadab, And the army of the tribe of the children of Issachar was Nethanel, the son of Zoar. And over the army of the tribe of Zebulon was Eliab, the son of Helon. Then the tabernacle was taken down, and the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari set out, carrying the tabernacle. And the standard of the camp of Reuben set out according to their armies. Over their army was Eleazar the son of Shadur. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Simeon was Shelumiel, the son of Zerushaddai. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Gad was Eliasaph, the son of Duel. Then the Kohathites set out, carrying the holy things. The tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. And the standard of the camp of the children of Israel of Ephraim set out according to their armies. Over the army was Elishamah, the son of Amihud. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Manasseh was Gamaliel, the son of Pettasar. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Benjamin was Abaddon, the son of Gideonai. Then the standard of the camp of the children of Din, the rear guard of all the camps set out according to their armies. Over their army was Azer the son of Amishadai. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Asher was Pagiel, the son of Okran. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Naphtali was Ahira, the son of Anan. Thus was the order of the march of the children of Israel, according to their armies when they began their journey. Now. Moses said to Hobab the son of Reuel the Midianite Moses's father-in-law "We're setting out for the place of which the Lord shall uh, of which the Lord said I will give it to you come with us and we will eat with sorry and we will treat you well for the Lord has promised good things to Israel hmm. And he said to him I will not go but I will depart to my own land and to my Relative, So Moses said, please do not leave. And as much as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes and it shall be if you go with us. Indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. Then the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Numbers 11. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And the Lord cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now, with the mix of multitude, who were among them yielded to intense craving so the children of israel wept again and said who will give us meat to eat we remember the fish which we ate freely in egypt the cucumbers the melons the leeks the onions and the garlic but now our whole being is dried up there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes now the manna hmm, was like coriander seed, and it's color like the color of delum. The people went out about and gathered it, ground it in millstones, or beat it to the mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes of it. Its taste was like the taste of a pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp, the night, in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses heard the people weeping, Throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did you conceive all these people? Sorry, did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to your fathers, where am I to get meat to give to all these people Hmm. alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. Hmm. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and the officers among them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come up and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month, until it comes out out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Because you have despised the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come out of Egypt? And Moses said, the people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat meat. Sorry, that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what to, what I say will happen to you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him. And he took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Hmm. But the men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, the name of the other is Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed who had not gone out of the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. Had not, sorry, had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they had prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, he and the elders of Israel. Oh, man, there's so much here. Now the wind went out for the Lord, from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night and all the next day and gathered all the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of this place Kibroth Hatava. Because there he buried the people who yielded to craving. From Kibroth Hatava the people moved to Hezaroth and camped at Hezaroth. <laughs> Chapter 12, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Goodness gracious. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he departed. And, the, and, and when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam and there she was a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please heal her. Oh, God, I pray. And the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not have? Would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people moved from Hezeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Oh, there's so much here. <laughs> Numbers 13, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shama, the son of Zachor. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hore. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Rafu, Rafu. From the tribe of Zebulon, the son, uh, from the tribe of Zebulon, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Emiel, the son of Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vophshi. From the tribe of Gad, Giliel the son of Machi. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way to the south, go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether they Whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through, through the south and came to Hebron, Ahimon, Shisha, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of, of grapes. They carried between the two of them on the pole. They also brought some pomegranates and figs, the place they called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And and then they told them, we went to the land where you sent us. It it truly flows with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it the men who had gone up with him said we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they gave up the children of israel bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies in is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature they were Sorry, there we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. Should we stop there? Let's stop there. Um whew, There's a lot to break down here, family. Um so let me let me make sure Everyone knows where we're at today. Um, Brilliant. Clarify that bosom. Brad bosom braid. Explain that to me. I'd like to know what that means. Um, Family. I I want you guys to to understand there's no way right that I can exegete this this hope this reading that we just did. And that's not my purpose here. That's not the point here. There's so much that sticks out to me and so much that the Lord is speaking in to me, um, even as I'm meditating and reading this that I want to share with you. Um, but here I'm just allowing you. So you guys know what we're doing here. You guys are eavesdropping into my daily discipline, my daily discipline of of reading the word and, and reading the word from a meditational perspective. Um, I aim to see if I can read through the Bible. I I aim to read through the Bible at least once a year just to read through it. And I think it's something that that every believer should discipline themselves in doing. If you're not doing that, I I don't I don't see how you can can really grow. And I don't see how you can be protected by false teaching and false doctrines and 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 false ideologies that are often uh, that we find pervasive in the church today. I find that more people are hearing from what a pastor is saying about what the Bible says than actually reading it for themselves. And the unfortunate reality is that if all you're getting is what the pastor taught on Sunday throughout those 52 weeks, even if you showed up to Bible study on Wednesdays, it's still never enough. It's not enough because no pastor can get through the entire scripture with their one minute sermon. I'm sorry, not one minute sermon, but with their one hour, they're not even one hour anymore. They're 30 minutes to 45 minutes with the 30 to 45 minute sermon once a week for 52 weeks there's no way any there's no pastor who can teach through the Bible that way and and you wouldn't even get through a, a third if not even a quarter of it and that's why most pastors don't ever really preach through the Bible okay and yet that's unfortunate because we have to know the whole story the grand narrative to understand the message of the gospel okay this is a daily activity that every believer should engage in and so that's what we do here this is the read and rant um and and now we're we're, we're in the book of numbers. This is the beautiful thing because we're now in the part of the story of the children of God. We're in the part of the story where they now get up and they move. Up to this point, they haven't moved, right? We've been reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Genesis ends with them in Egypt. Exodus begins with them in captivity in Egypt. But then their exodus out of Egypt into the wilderness. And then it stops at Mount Sinai. Exodus stops with them out Mount Sinai, where they make a covenant with God. And in that covenant they make with God, there was a law that was instituted that would shape them out to be what they had committed by contract to God to be, which is a nation of priests. Again, I'm just iterating this so people can understand because I think people have this uh, jaded perspective of the Bible. Uh, People think that the Old Testament, particularly speaking, even Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, people think that it's written to them. Those books aren't written to you. Those, Those books chronicle a story of what God has done and is doing through a particular people. And God has chosen these particular people to bring restoration to all people that through this nation of people, that the restoration of the world uh, would come into fruition. And the restoration of the world is really the coming of the kingdom of God, the institution of God's justice, his righteousness, God's reign, God's rule on the earth. That's where we're at right now. Okay. So everybody who's reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and they're reading it as if it's written to them, they're reading it wrong. When you read the Ten Commandments, the, written, the Ten Commandments were not written to you. Uh, when you read the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Law wasn't written to you. When you read these laws, they're, they're not written to you. And that's unfortunate because many Christians treat the Old Testament as rules and laws for Christians to follow. And yet they were never written to you. Okay, They weren't written to you. This is a story. Uh, this is a bigger story about what God is doing through a people okay notice the backbone of the story of the bible is is the children of abraham that is the backbone of the story and so when we insert ourselves into the scripture we don't we're getting we we misappropriate the scripture and we never really get to full understanding about who christ is okay and what christ has accomplished we never get there because we're too busy looking at the book of Exodus as if it's a book written to us. It was not written to us. It was written for us so we can understand the implications of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. That's just a side note because we're not going to get there. And if, if anything, you can go back to my previous reading rants on the font everywhere on Facebook. And you can you can hear that because I've been going through all of that from Genesis on. So, therefore. What we see is a story of a people who at Mount Sinai have not that God has instituted a covenant. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the Mosaic law to shape them into becoming the nation of priests who would carry the very presence of God on earth. God would reside among these people and through these people, God would manifest his rule on earth. Okay, God's rule is not political. God's rule is profoundly spiritual. And so that's what God wants to do through these people. Are y'all with me so far? Okay. If you understand that, then when Exodus ends, the Exodus ends with them receiving the law, but still not having access to the presence of God. Are you hearing me? They received the law, but they did not have access to the presence of God. Right? How do we know that? Because after they built the tabernacle of meeting, catch this family, after they built the tabernacle of meeting, Moses couldn't enter into the tabernacle. Moses could not enter into the tabernacle. Therefore, what we're getting revelation of is that the law never gave them access. The law in and of itself, was not sufficient in giving them access. Not at this point, at least. At this point in the law, they did not have access to God, even though they had the law. Why? Because the law revealed what they could not accomplish. That is, they were given the law, and yet they failed to obey the contract that was given to them in order to be a people who can be in the presence of God. And so because they did not have the law, That's right, they had the law. The law was not effective at this point. Notice now, the law was not effective in bringing them into the presence of God. What am I saying here, family? I'm saying Exodus isn't good enough. Are you hearing me? Exodus is not good enough. The Ten Commandments is not good enough. Are you hearing me? The ten, this is what we've been reading up to this point. That's right, Brian. Paul has to go back to this and he has to explain this to people who, who, who know the law. And yet, if you read Exodus, Exodus wasn't good enough. All the laws that they were given, the purity laws, all these laws that were provided to them were still not good enough. What am I saying? I'm saying that the law in Exodus is not good enough. It wasn't enough to get them in the presence of God. So if Exodus wasn't good enough for them, what makes you think Exodus is good enough for you? (laughs) Oh, man, first of all, guys, I, you know, I'm in a I come here always just surprised by where God leads in the conversation, because I don't know where God's going to go. I just go where God is leading. And yet this is where God is leading me as we navigate through this, through through this, 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 the scripture, but Exodus ends with them not being able to enter into the presence of God, which, 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 which poignantly reveals to us. That Exodus was not good enough. At this point, the law was not good enough. Are you hearing family? So, if the law wasn't good enough, what does God do? God adds amendments to this law. That's what Leviticus is. Leviticus is now an amendment to the law. Remember, the law. Don't think of the law as a legal thing. Okay, that's that's the problem. We we're, we we Western people, when we think of the law, we think of legality, right and wrong. The law was about a law, a system, with which people can be shaped into becoming as God intended them to be. It was not about right and wrong. Oh, let me make sure you understand this. Only we Westerners read the scripture this way. The Easterners do not read the scripture this way. When they read the law, they don't read it like like uh, in a legal way, the way lawyers read the law about who goes to jail and who doesn't. Because when we read the law. The, the first thing that comes to most of us when we read, we go to the law. We think heaven and hell. <laughs> right. Uh, um, hell is like jail because when we break it, we go to hell. And when we obey it, we go to heaven. That's what we think and yet no, that's not what it was. The law just like the law of gravity is a natural system that we're all subject to. This was a system that they were all subject to. Please pay very close attention family because this might set some people free. This law needed an amendment. And this is why this law needed an amendment. It needed an amendment because it in and of itself wasn't sufficient to bring a people into the presence of God. That's what Leviticus is all about. Leviticus is about how these people who break the law are given access to God. How these unholy people are given access to a holy God. Leviticus teaches us that God gives people access back, into, back to him through a blood sacrifice. God determined that and he explained why he said that the life is in the blood. So I'm only giving you this and I'm, you're going to see me iterate this over and over again because I want to make sure I set a foundation here as you're reading through this. Because now the children of Israel are at Mount Sinai, this holy God, who now has promised them the promised land, says to go with them, and yet they tell and Moses tells God at Mount Sinai, if your presence doesn't go with us, we are not leaving this mountain. They being burdened by the dependence, the awareness that they're dependent on God and that they need his presence to go with them, Stayed at the mountain until they could affirm that the presence of God would be with them. Are you hearing me, family? So Leviticus was about how the presence can remain with them. And it was through the blood sacrifice, every error, every sin, every mistake, every time the law was broken, anytime they touched unclean things, anytime that they were unclean or unpure, there was a law that purified them. And it was through the blood sacrifice. It was through the, 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 the peace offering. It was through these offerings and these sacrifices. And so Leviticus is about how the sacrifices are performed. There's a priest that performs the sacrifice and in performing the sacrifice, these people are given access back to God. Notice they're given access back to God. Not, not, not by any of their doing, not by any performance, not by any action or activity. They're given access to God simply through the sacrifice. And so now we get into numbers. Notice numbers ends with them not being able to enter into the presence of God. Sorry, Leviticus begins with them not being able to enter into the presence of God. Leviticus ends with them now entering into the presence of God. And now God is with them. Now that God is with them, they're ready to get up and leave. You ready for that? Now that God is with them, they're ready to get up and leave. And so here we are. And through the book of Numbers, we see them getting up and leaving. We see them getting up and, and, and getting ready now to go to the land that was promised to them. And that's where we are now. When we read the text, it tells us, and what we read, uh, thank you for letting me uh, know about um, uh, Numbers chapter 10, what he's telling the children of Israel. Notice, this is a story about the children of Israel. What he's telling the children of Israel is he's telling them, he's giving them instructions as to when they get up and leave, when they stay. He's telling them um, when they break camp, when they meet. And so these are the silver trumpets. This is all still, you know, the laws and rules. Good morning, Izzy. Laws and rules that are being instituted. Okay in order to create order for how they would travel through the wilderness. Okay, then in Numbers 11, the people complain. They get up, they leave, and now as they traverse, they begin to complain. And the scriptures tell us that the fire was burned um, um, that the fire burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Uh, that's not where I want to go. I want to point something out before I go into my main point today. Sorry if I'm ranting. Stay with me. If you go to Numbers chapter 10, verse 11, this should kind of this should kind of shake some people up here. It says in verse 11, now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of testimony. Hmm. Did you hear that? Remember, they got up and left when the cloud went with them. Sorry, when the cloud lifted up. If the cloud rested, they stayed. Remember, we talked about that yesterday. It's the dwelling in the presence. It's the dwelling in the presence. It's the staying in the presence. Dwell, dwell in the presence. Don't rush into where you believe God is calling you without really seeking the presence of God. And yet now, and and once the cloud lifts, that's when you move. Once the cloud moves, that's when you, once the presence moved, that's when they moved. And look what it says. Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of testimony. They're ready to finally leave. They're getting up now all this time that they spent getting the rules in place, getting it in order, getting everything ready, getting everything going. It's done. And now they're getting ready to leave. The presence of God is with them and now they're getting ready to leave. Now they're getting up and they're going to go. They've been at the, 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 mountain in that place there for, look, the 20th day of the second month in the second year. The 20th day of the second month in the second year, they stayed there. I want to give you context. They stayed there for a year family. They stayed there for a year and almost two months. For a year and almost two months, they didn't go anywhere. When we read through Leviticus. When we read through, they were there. All the stuff we read, they hadn't gone anywhere. They stayed at the mountain. They were about what they were about. God promised them the land and yet they stayed right there. They didn't move for a year. So when you're reading Leviticus, this is about a people who just stayed right there. They didn't go anywhere. (laughs) They didn't go anywhere. From the moment they showed up to Mount Sinai, now they finally get up from Mount Sinai on the 20th day of the second month in the second year. (laughs) And now they finally break camp. Talk about wait on the Lord. And in verse 32, and it shall be, if you go with us, indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. They did not move in this case until the cloud was lifted up. They stayed until the cloud was lifted. I have a question for you, family. How long will you wait? How long will you wait on God? How long will you wait for God to move? How often is it that we, after a certain period of time will say, man, it's been, it's been three months. I haven't seen anything yet. Let me just go ahead and let me nudge God on. Let me, let me go ahead and, and let me just, you know, Let me just push this thing forward. Let, let me, let me, you know, God, I'm waiting, but I got, I mean, I got things to do. I got places to go. I got stuff to do. How long will we wait? You know why we have a hard time waiting? The reason why we have a hard time waiting is because we don't really enjoy the presence of God. You don't fully enjoy the presence of God. Ooh, this is tough. This is what God's really convicting me of is, is we often want the results of God, the blessings of God. But do we really enjoy the presence of God? I believe what allows us to dwell where we are is the cloud. It was the cloud that kept them there. It wasn't, hey, I'm, we're just gonna wait here and, you know, we're just gonna just vibe and do. No, they were in the presence of God. Remember, where the cloud lifted, that's when they moved. If I'm in the presence of God, why am I so busy? grinding and hustling and running and forcing things to happen and and trying to make things happen and and i'm pressing and i'm pushing we don't really fully enjoy just the presence like we want god and success we want god and elevation we want god and our marriage we want we want god and a spouse we want god and and, and that promotion we we We're impatient because reality is somewhere deep in our hearts. God isn't enough. Somewhere we got to address that there's somewhere in our heart where God isn't enough. When the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. He's literally saying, be still and know who I am. Be still and know who I am. Family, be still and know God. But you cannot be still if you're not interested in getting to know God. There are some people right now who they're in a season where they're stuck. You're in a season where you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know what direction to take. You don't know what the next move is. You don't know what the next plan is. You actually don't have the next step. You don't know what to do next. You're stuck. Like you're stuck. It might be you you know you, you lost your job or it might be your finances it might be your marriage you tried everything to, 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 to fix your marriage or it might be your kids it might be your family whatever it is that you're going through you're going through it and now you get to a point where there's nothing you can do you're stuck and yet you're un. there's an unrest in you because you're still pressing, 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 30 applications here, 40 applications there. I had a friend of mine not too long ago who, who, who's unemployed, was furloughed and, uh, and was unemployed. And, 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 and he was telling me that he, he filled out 30 applications a day. 30 applications a day for three months and couldn't get a job. This guy's you know, he's got two master's degrees and the whole thing. And and so he's hustling, 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 going, 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 going. All day. He's just online, applying everywhere. He's applying overseas. He's applying and he can't. And I'm like, How are you feeling? And he's like, Man, I'm stressed. I'm and, and I asked him, I said, I, Is God still your provider? Is is God still your rest? Like is God enough? Have you, have you spent time just dwelling in the presence of God? It's funny how when we lose certain things, we freak out. There are people even on this chat right now who are sad about a job they lost. Who are sad about uh, an opportunity that they lost or who are sad about a relationship that was that has gone awry. But didn't you forget that you were miserable when you were at that job? You hated that job. You hated everything about it. The only thing it did was it helped you pay the bills, but it took away your peace, your rest, your joy. It took everything away from you. You know that boyfriend that you were, that you're weeping about, that you're crying about losing. How many times had he made you cry before this? That that girlfriend that you that you've been that you've been crying about, that you just lost and that you broke up with, and you're asking what's wrong with me and why, and not realizing that she was never good for you. And 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 have you noticed that sometimes it's those things that we had, and that we had it, and we weren't at peace. We weren't at peace then. What makes you think that having getting those things again will make you experience peace? Since when? Man, I remember when I had money. You had money, but you couldn't sleep. Still. You 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 know yeah man you know I I mean we things were pretty good. I was it was you know she was a good girl and 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 and, you know at least I had a girlfriend at the time and I wasn't alone you weren't alone but you were miserable you weren't happy well well you know um, you know when I had that that thing going on in my life it was fam you weren't happy you want to know why because you weren't in the presence In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's in his presence that we find joy. We're trying to find joy in ideas and money and strategy and power, and yet there's no joy in that. And maybe God's got you in a season right now where God's saying to you, sit. Stop stressing about what's next. Why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why are you worrying about tomorrow? When I'm here with you. Could you spend a year without a job? There are a lot of us here that would say there's no way I can go a year depleting my savings or living on living paycheck to paycheck. Oh, sorry, not paycheck to paycheck, but living on social security and benefits. And there's no way I'd be in welfare. There's no way I'm I'm falling into that. No way. I said all those things. I said all those things. I said I would never get food stamps. And yet I had a season where I needed food stamps. I said, I would never, I would never um, need assistance. And there was a season in my life where I needed assistance. Are you okay with needing people and not being able to provide, but at least having the presence of God? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with being single for, for five years? Are you okay with being single for as long as God wants you to be? And just being in his presence, are you okay with that? There's some people who would say, no. Where am I going to find my happiness? Your happiness is in the presence of God. Your joy is in the presence of God. Your peace is in the presence of God. And when you begin to understand that, you'll understand why the children of Israel didn't move and why they were able to stay. They can be comfortable not moving. They could spend a year at the mountain getting nowhere because in the presence you are everywhere. (laughs) Ah. That verse is, 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 is an intense verse in verse 11 because it says on the 20th day of the second month in the second year, the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of testimony. When the cloud finally got up, that's when they finally moved. And up to that point, they did not move. Are you okay with that? But here's the other thing man I got so many thoughts stay with me for just give me like 10 more minutes I'm sorry guys I'm going a little bit over give me like 10 more minutes I know I've I've, 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 I've got I'm holding you hostage here but just give me a few more minutes because I, I got two other thoughts as I'm reflecting because um we're in a season where people are you know they're experiencing so much discomfort and For those who are experiencing discomfort, I ask myself the question. Is this externally imposed or is this internally opposed? I'm explaining to you what I mean by that. Look at numbers 11 In numbers 11, starting with verse one. Now. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Where were the complainers? This whole time that we were here at Mount Sinai, there was no complaining, and yet now, They're complaining. They can't stand the food that they're eating. This manna, which was like, basically like a, like a crystallized bread. It was like a wafer type of thing, type of material. You could just bake it. Noah says they baked it into cakes. But the whole time that they were at Mount Sinai, they were eating manna. I want to give you guys context what I'm seeing here. Maybe you guys aren't seeing what I'm seeing. These people were at Mount Sinai for a year. They ate manna for a year. I did not hear any complaints until they started to move. And the moment they got up and started to move. Now the bread wasn't good enough. The moment they got up and started to move, now all of a sudden there's complaining, there's strife. And the moment they got up to move, there's all this discontentment. And Moses is now stressed because he goes to God. And at one point he's like, God, just kill me here. If this is what's gonna happen, just kill me here. And and thank you for that, JJ. The reality is, is that the moment there's movement, it creates a discontent. Movement creates, can instigate discontent. When you're not moving, everything is normal. We're creatures of habit. And so when we're creatures of habit, even the things that we have displeasure in, will continue, will continue. We have an issue with that. But the moment the rhythm changes, and the moment the rhythm shifts, and the moment all of a sudden, That cognitive dissonance brings awareness to discomforts. We create discomforts. They weren't uncomfortable before, but now that they're moving, they are uncomfortable. They didn't have an issue eating manna alone, but now there's an issue because they're actually moving somewhere. They're going in direction. And this is just for anyone who's on the move. Expect that the moment that you're on the move that you're going to encounter and you're going to experience displeasure. Now. I don't have time to break all of this down. I just want to leave you with one thought here. In verse 16, the Lord responds to Moses and says to Moses, you can't carry the weight of this community on your own. You can't wear, you can't bear the weight of this, of these people alone. So he says in verse 16, take 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers among them bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you and he says to them I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you he's giving he's giving Moses now an anointing to impart the spiritual gifting that he has he's giving moses the gifting now to impart the same spirit in him into other people he has the ability now to transmit the gifting and the anointing that he has so that he does not bear it alone he is delegating now the weight um, this is what impartation means. You may have heard the term impartation. Now people use impartation, they throw it around because it's like a super spiritual thing. Impartation is simply the gifting and the ability to transmit this what's in you to someone else. If it's information, you're imparting information. Whatever is in your mind, being able to transmit it into somebody else's mind. Whatever is in your spirit, being able to transmit it to someone else spiritually you'll see these people you know what they call them they call them influencers they're people of influence because you ever notice there's a person who by just their very personality by their very gifting when they go into a space everyone kind of just becomes like them it's the kind of influence that they have because there's a spirit that dominates them that that that, that illuminates them that motivates them that then transmits to the people around them these are what we call culture shapers they create culture because who they are everyone else becomes like it and so and so this is the anointing that abraham that's not abraham that moses has and so the spirit notice notice the capital s there the spirit that is on moses now moses can give to them he can impart it on them now watch this now and i'm done i'm done i'm almost there um then he he pars the spirit on them, right? And then it says that they that they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. This is for every pastor who thinks they can run ministry on their own. You can't do it alone. Um, that's just a side note for anyone who thinks they can do it alone. Um, you've you're already creating a, a, a you've shortened your expiration date for your ministry uh, by trying to do ministry on your own. If you if you don't learn to be dependent and need others, and to be able to impart what is in you on others, you're not a leader. Um, um, <laughs> You're—I uh, I call them the Peter Pipers. Uh, you know, they, 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 they the pie, sorry, not Peter Pipers, the Pied Pipers, they have people who follow them, but they never really create leaders. Um, real leaders create leaders, real leaders empower people to become who they're called to be. And so often, what happens is you got people who pastors and leaders who just make people dependent on them. And that's the issue with that. But that's another conversation for another day. That wasn't Moses. Moses learned that he puts a bottleneck in the vision of God when he keeps the spirit of God for himself the spirit that is within him for himself, but God is telling him, if you want this thing to sustain, then you're going to need to undergird your leadership with other leaders who have the same spirit that you have. Another thing we we can teach leadership principles and all that because in leadership principles, what you have to learn is you don't need simply people. All right, side note, you don't need simply people who are capable. You need people who have the same spirit you have. This is for a business owner. This is for an institutional leader. These are for the pastors. These are for um, organizational leaders. If you're an organizational leader, you're a pastor, whoever you are, do not hire people who are capable. Let me say that one more time. Do not hire people who are capable. Ability is not going to be what promotes growth in your organization and sustainability in your organization. It is not ability but it is spirit. If they do not have the same spirit that you have, if they do not have the same passion, the same calling, the same anointing that you have, then 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 your, your organization will not sustain. It will lose its identity. The most valuable element, the most valuable asset of your organization, I know we use the term brand nowadays, is actually the culture of your organization. If you hire people who are just capable, you will cause a precipitous demise of your organization because capable people will create their own kingdoms within your organization and that's the problem is uh we have leaders who even in churches who hire people just because they have capabilities but jesus did not hire people who were capable he hired people who were receptive to receive the spirit that he had did you hear that family That's just a side teaching note just for those of you if g if if, if capability was what uh, promoted the persistent growth of an organization, then Jesus would not call the disciples who were profoundly incapable, but they were shapeable. They were incapable people, but they were shapeable people. Oh, that's a word. I, I start saving these because this is just coming to me. I just want to make sure I share that to you. If they're not shapeable, they're not worth your time. If you are a leader, if you're an organizational leader, and this is for somebody else who's here, if you are serving along someone, if you're at number 2 or number 3 or you're in an organization and you and you can't receive correction and you want to do things your way and how you want to do it, guess what fam? You shouldn't be there. You got to go for your sake and for their sake, because you will tear that organization down and you in the end would have wasted your time because it was never where you were supposed to be. If you're not shapeable, that's what, how I identify. People go, well, why did he ask this person? I always have people, this, uh, in my, even in my ministry, people always look and they ask, why did Isaac bring that person on board? That person is not as good as this person. Or why didn't you bring that person on board? This person knows the Bible better than that person. Or or why did you bring this person on board? That person is much more articulate and much more educated and much more capable than that person. You want to know why? Because I don't, I don't bring people on board because of what they're capable of doing. I bring them on board because I know that they're shapeable. They can receive the spirit that is in me. If you if you're not able to receive the spirit in me and to receive correction by that spirit, then it doesn't work. OK, you are hurting the organization. Sorry, that was a side rant. I just kind of just threw that out there. Moses, that's just that's that's just something there that you can see. Moses hired men who were he brought men who already showed capability, but then he was able to impart his spirit on them. If they don't have the same spirit you have, they got to go real talk. They got to go. That's the, the most valuable element of your organization. And some of you need to fire some people, not because they can't do it. It's because they don't embody who you are. Did you hear that family? Just, I don't know why. I just had to make sure there's some people right now who are trying to wrestle with um, some people who are in their organization or people who are in your church or people who are who are whatever it is, the reason why your church is being held back is because you're still trying to bring capable people. Do not try to hire people based on capability. If you hire the wrong people, guess what design you're going to need to fire them. I know that's tough. It's a bold statement. There's some people that need to leave your organization there are people that may need to leave your church. There are people that may need to leave your community. There may people that may need to leave your business. Family is a whole different game because there is an infinite bond. That's DNA. That's blood. So that's a whole different thing. Oh, I know design. Listen, I know it's hard, but guess what? The longer you wait, the harder it gets. The longer you wait, the more you disintegrate your organization. That's just a side note. I wanted to throw that out there because um, Um, I've always gotten this question, even in, in, in my ministry. Why do I elevate certain people? I don't elevate people because of what they're capable of doing. I don't put people on to certain roles and tasks because of their ability. I will take the most incapable person, but I will take the most shapeable person. But I want to see that there's shapeability. If you're not shapeable, you can't receive correction. You want to do things your way. You like the way you do things. You don't see why it's being done this way. Then this is not for you. That's why you don't have the same spirit. Remember, Moses took those who had the same spirit. That was just a side note. Sorry, that was a little mini rant. Um, oh, I'm not gonna get to this, but I'm I'm gonna, ah, uh, I won't get to it. <sighs> then oh, there, there was another point, but I'm not gonna get to it. The one that gets me, and I'm going to close with this, is in verse 29, in Numbers 11. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. When you read earlier, and this is my closing thought, and it's powerful. It's powerful. This is my closing thought. The 70 elders were imparted with the spirit of Moses. And upon having the spirit of Moses, they prophesied right there in that moment. But the scripture tells us in Numbers 11 that they stopped prophesying. They didn't prophesy from that moment on. They had the spirit, but they didn't have the activity. Remember, they were imparted with the spirit, but they didn't have the activity. The 70 elders who Moses called and brought were imparted with the spirit of God, had the spirit and had the spirit and prophesied in that moment of impartation. And afterwards, their mouths were shut. But then there were two men in the camp who did not receive the impartation, but still received the spirit. (sighs) Who did not receive the impartation, but still received the spirit. Stay with me here. Stay with me here. The two men who received the impartation but did not receive Eldad and Medad. Eldad and Medad. And the scriptures tell us that even though they did not participate in the ordination service, the spirit, notice, where is it, where is it, where is it? In verse 26, but the two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. So now they received the spirit and they began to prophesy all throughout the camp. And Joshua praised him for his, uh, his, his, his armor bearer spirit goes running to Moses, uh, to Moses and he's saying to him, Moses there's some dudes that are prophesying that you didn't anoint. There's some dudes you laid hands on that you didn't anoint. Like what, what are we going to do? We, we, we need to shut them down. Let's go shut them down. But the scriptures tell us that they had the spirit of God. The spirit had rested upon them. Moses then responds to Joshua and he says, are you zealous for my sake oh that all the lord's people were prophets and that the lord would put his spirit on them moses didn't care if he had laid hands on them moses cared that they had the spirit and moses reveals here his desire was for all the people to have the spirit of god if only they would all be prophets. What was that, man, I'm not stressing that. I wish they all prophesied. I wish they were all prophets, every one of them. Meaning being a prophet, being called by God, being able to move prophetically where God is calling you. is not about who laid hands on you. It's about the spirit of God that is on you going into your spheres of influence and prophesying the message of Jesus Christ, moving prophetically by the gift of God is not about who said that you were a prophet and who said that you were a pastor, who said that you were a leader. No, you are the Royal priesthood. And if only all of us would receive the spirit, not just the 70, but the whole nation, all people would receive the spirit if they would all prophesy. Moses said, are you zealous for my sake? What are you in church for? I'm done, I'm done, I'm closing. What are you in church for? Are you in church to promote your pastor? Are you in church to promote a person? Are you in church talking more about what the person said? Who are you zealous for? Who are you zealous for? Are you zealous for Moses? Are you zealous for? I don't know, name your pastor. Is that who you're zealous for? Is that who you serve? Who are? you zealous for? Hmm. If only we would all be zealous for Christ. If only we would receive his spirit and to move in his power. Father, I ask as we close in this moment, Father, I pray that we would all be convicted Of this very fact that we have been called by your name. Lord, that we would declare same as Jesus had declared when he uttered in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. If we would all make that declaration to say that the spirit of the Lord is upon us. Father, I pray that we would receive your spirit, not our agenda, not our pastor's agenda, not our uh, um, the people that, not 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 following a person's agenda, but following, Lord, under your agenda. That you would be Lord over all. Lord, bless us, Lord, as we um, engage today, Lord. Let's be encouraged. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, continue to lead us to your truth, to you, to who you are, and to the message of your gospel. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Family, God bless you. And, 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 and remember that question today, who are you zealous for?